What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Teeing It Up with CNV. I'm your host, Connor. Uh, another Tuesday night while we're recording this in the sports world. Uh, that's what we talk about here on Teeing It Up, hence the name Teeing It Up. Not really any golf talk, although Jordan Speed, <laughs> joke job. Uh, anyways, I'm here as always with my co-host, Vladdy. What's going on, man? What's new since we last talked? Not much, to be honest. Kind of just chugging along at work. Um this is one of my short weeks, so I'm excited to kind of be done in two days and kind of have that three-day weekend. Um, watched Real Madrid play earlier today. They knocked out Chelsea to move to the Champions League semifinals. Nice. So that's always great. Um, always great to your team on at work, but um, not much. Uh, I had a very tame weekend, golfed, and then with the great weather, and now we have trash weather again, kind of in typical Michigan yeah. fashion, you know. You ever heard the saying that like I'm not gonna call this full winter, but a Michigan winter is kind of like that nagging girlfriend where like just when you think she's done, she opens the door again and says just one more thing, yelling at you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. I mean, we we saw flurries on the ground. I think it was yesterday morning. Today was some very very brief snow, and and it's just kind of like what are we doing? Yeah, the part that's gotten me the most, I think, is just the gray. It's just not. It's just such a depressing, especially after just so much sunshine let alone like the temperature dish difference to me is just like the going back to the just this cold gray miserable color outside yeah. that's what really gets me or has gotten me the last couple of days friday and saturday were beautiful um kicked off the golf season for myself uh after missing the previous weekend where i know it was good weather but you know not really much what, what about yourself um school life anything anything new noteworthy no i've been playing played a bit of golf as well this weekend um nothing eventful for that so pretty early in the season it, i was gonna make the comment of it it does suck that like i got out four times in uh, a 12-day span and now it looks like i probably like with the weather forecast now like i'll maybe get out there i don't know there's not really a day in the 10-day forecast that looks like it it's it's out there let alone it has to be basically a friday saturday sunday yep but um anyways not much new i finished up class yesterday um so then my first finals in uh nine days so kind of grinding for that nothing too crazy i mean i studied for like eight hours today but it's it's almost i was almost done with the. i was almost happy with that like i'd rather do that then the cl- go in and do the class and have to the stress of class and just the reading for class. Now I just get to focus on one thing and that's exams. Um, it just kind of slows everything down a little bit from the normal schedule. But so that's my life. As far as the sports world, we got a, a number of topics today. We're going to kind of focus on the big stuff or the big sports as we wrapped up two of the major uh, four American sports this past week. Uh, actually, the NBA was a little more than a week ago, technically, if you yes. count the play-in. But anyways, the NHL and the NBA, um, we'll get into kind of a breakdown of the early playoffs. I know the NHL started Monday. Uh, the first round of the NBA started this past weekend. Um, so there's a lot to talk about there. We'll talk about matchups. And then we'll kind of get into uh, the Detroit teams, as we always do. Um, we're going to break down Vladdy's going to do the Pistons and I'm going to do the Red Wings, just the season breakdown and kind of what the outlook is um, after the 2022-23 season. Um, so with that being said, you want to kick us off with some NBA playoff update? Let's do it. Um, so I guess I'm going to start with the Wednesday playing games. I'm not going to say anything much about these individually just because there, that'd be too much to talk about. But you had the Bulls beat the Raptors in the 9-10 game, and then you had the Thunder beat the Pelicans in the 9-10 game, which set up Bulls Heat and Thunder Timberwolves for the eighth seed for that last spot of the NBA playoffs. The Heat beat the Bulls, and the Thunder fell to the Timberwolves. Again, not much there. I know I mentioned the Thunder a little bit last week, the young team right yeah. ahead of them. Uh, I, saw, I heard a fun fact about the Thunder is Pitt, the – College basketball team Pitt that was in the NCAA tournament as an 11 seed had a higher average age than the Oklahoma City Thunder do. Are you talking about like maybe a starting five or the team as a whole? The team as a whole. Okay, that's insane because I, I do know the Thunder's like average age is like 24 something. So that's that, that I mean, that's insane. 
I that's COVID years, that's transfer years, that's just that's college that's the la- the last couple seasons of college basketball summed up. That's really insane. But um yeah, again, uh I'll say it one more time and then I, I got to be done. Huge future for the Thunder. Um getting into the first round matchups on Saturday, um well I'll just kind of go down the games in order. You had the Nets and the Sixers. I mean, I think I talked about this last week as well. That was one of the set matchups where doesn't really interest me much. The Sixers are a better team. The Nets don't have stars anymore, so I expected an easy Nets win. I think they're up 2-0 at this point. Um, you had the Hawks and the Celtics, kind of a similar thing where I thought the Celtics are just a much better team than uh, than Trey Young and uh, Jonte Murray's uh, Hawks, so I figured the Celtics would kind of take control of that. I know they kind of crushed the Hawks in game one, they were up by, I think, 30 and a half or something. Kind of brought it back down at the end to make it look like a respectable 13-point deficit, but I don't know if it ever was. Knicks-Cavs, another, I mean, it, it's, it'll be a close series. Should be a lot of back and forth between two teams that I think ultimately don't really factor in as players in the Eastern Conference because they'll go up uh, – actually, they might go up against Giannis because Giannis had that scary fall, which I'll talk about here in a second. Um Warriors-Kings, that was one of the more intriguing matchups. I feel like most of the good matchups are in the West, just because a lot of the lower seeds in the West do have stars that make it interesting. Mm-hmm. Warriors-Kings, um, I know I was talking to you just before we started. I personally don't like watching the Kings because they don't have stars, but I'll give them credit. Their crowd, their fan base, it's one of the loudest arenas I think I've ever heard. It kind of reminds me of the very, very young Warriors, kind of 15-16, where... They're not really used to success, so they were just kind of enjoying the moment. They were – the defense chants, it's so loud. Like, I mean, the NBA's got multi-million dollar microphones and stuff. You could hear static. That that has to be absurdly loud for the microphone to not be able to clearly pick up what is being yelled or what kind of noise is going on in the arena. So kudos to them. Not only that, but a, a, a team – a fan base that we basically said was the most irrelevant franchise in sports history last yes, week. Yes. That makes it even more impressive. No, I mean, that they showed out. I, I, I mean, I guess when we say that the franchise is irrelevant, I don't think that really matters to the fans. It's just, they haven't, the, the fr- franchise hasn't given the fans anything to be cheerful for. I mean, this was their first playoff game in 17 or 18 years. That's yeah, not Sacramento, cool. that big of a city though. Like I can't I, imagine it. I mean, you only need 30,000 people to sh- 20 or 20,000 people to show up to an arena. I'm sure yeah. it's got enough people for that. But no, speaking but- of crowds, sorry to cut you off. Go for it. Not, it's on my mind. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. The Detroit Tigers won today their third walk off in three games. Did you have you happened to see any of the highlights of the crowd today? No. I'm assuming there it, is none. It was, it's a Tuesday day game. It was 38 degrees out and snowing, and it was a rescheduled game. There oh, no. were maybe 800 people in the whole stadium. <laughs> it will come dead empty. I'm sure that their uh, official attendance is going to say 10,000, though. Oh, I, I, it, I'd be surprised if there was more than 1,500 people there today. Yeah. yeah, but you know what it is. They count the tickets sold, not the amount of people that are in the arena. So Yeah, but how does that work with the rescheduled game? Oh, that's fair. I don't know, but yeah. Moving on to Sunday's games, you have the Lakers-Grizzlies, another kind of great matchup. Um, Lakers took game one, Austin Reeves with a insane out-of-nowhere performance. You want to know a fun fact about Austin Reeves? He was actually drafted by the Detroit Pistons in 2021, his second-round pick, and he told them, no, I have a two-way contract with the Lakers lined up. I'm going to bet on myself, and he took that instead. Yeah, that's... And that's crazy because that's one of the only NBA games I've gotten to watch. And who did I text in the group chat? Who is this guy, this Austin Reeves guy? And you're telling me he's a former Piston? No, he was never a Piston. He just told them, no, I'm not going to sign with you. He never oh, signed. He like, t- they, oh, no, they, okay. they, they, again, they, they drafted him, I think. But he just was like, no, I'm going to go do my own thing. That's, uh, I mean, we'll get into the Pistons recap later. But we that, will. Oh. That, that'll contribute to it. <laughs> yeah, you had the Heat and the Bucks. Um, Heat took game one, kind of a shocker, but then you remember Giannis only played nine minutes, and you're like, okay, that's not that much of a shocker. You're If you lose one of the two or three best players in basketball on the planet, you're probably not going to do so well. Um, so I guess we'll see the status of his, of his injury. Um, 
I I actually haven't really heard any follow ups. They I mean they play tonight, so or no, they play tomorrow, so they he got an extra day of rest, which is good for him. And the Bucks, um, Clippers, Suns. This was this is probably the most intriguing first round matchup, just purely based off of Booker, Paul, Aiton, Durant, Paul George, Kawhi, Russell Westbrook, and I said it last time. Even though he's not a star, he is still a name. Um, a great kind of back and forth game, and it was kind of a interesting kind of just I don't I don't maybe not collection, but a, a great encompassing of how a lot of these players' careers have gone. Paul George didn't play, and he's not going to play the entire series. I think he has a sprained knee, so they're they're nursing him, hoping they can get by uh, Phoenix and de- they can get him back for later. But uh, Russell Westbrook was three of nineteen from the field mm. in the, in the first game, and yet he still probably individually won the game for the Clippers later on when he blocked. Devin Booker and as Devin Booker's complaining to the refs, Westbrook falling out of bounds, throws the ball off Booker and gets the ball back. I don't know if you've seen this play, but it was it was it was a great great athletic block and it was just I was I was happy for him. I know Russell Westbrook's taken a lot of shit from everybody from the last five, six, seven years for his shooting ability or lack thereof. So to see him kind of go out there and maybe play to more of his strengths, which is just I'm a physical athlete. I have the work rate. He he was great on the offensive rebound or offensive glass. They get five or six offensive rebounds. He pretty much single-handedly won them the game in kind of the, those crunch time moments. You had Kawhi Leonard continue his stereotypical robot Terminator, say nothing. You forget he exists and the playoffs roll around and he's just, he, he goes into termination mode. Uh, I think he dropped 40. Kevin Durant, in typical fashion, shied away, didn't do anything in the last couple minutes of the game, and cost the Suns game one of the series. So that's <laughs> that's something that I'll be monitoring going forward just because of the intrigue and the star power. You had the Nuggets and the Timberwolves Sunday night. Not really much to say there. The Nuggets are just an objectively better team than Minnesota. So Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, – and that's kind of a – I know, I guess Jokic is a superstar, but like – for some reason, he doesn't get the uh, like he doesn't get the, in my mind, the publicity. He's the like, back. He's the back to back MVP. What do you mean? Like I don't know. I don't really like. There's not much appeal to to the to the non basketball fan to me as okay. far as the storyline goes with watching him compared to other superstars in the league. That's probably because a he's not American, so there's maybe less int- there's maybe less interest from the average person here. And b I think his play style is just less flashy. He's kind of that guy, he's going to go down low, he's going to bully ball you a little bit and put some kind of layups up. So in a relatively small market. I know they're the one seed, but I wouldn't call Denver a small market. It's still a big city, but I I I think I know what you're trying to say. It's not a. It's not New York. It's not Los Angeles. It's not your traditional powerhouse team. I don't. Does, I, does Denver even have an NBA title in their history? I don't think they did. No, I, so, I don't think so. So I guess I, I think I see where you're coming from in that aspect. But to kind of wrap it up, the NBA playoffs. I mean, the two games you had last night, Seventy um, Sixers again beat the Nets, and then the Kings once again took uh, took care of the Warriors. So Kings take a two zero lead back to Golden State. Um, I guess this game was interesting because Draymond Green did typical Draymond Green things. Um, I, I'm sure at this point everyone's kind of seen it. You you get a video of him stomping on DeMontis Sabonis. Um, in, he basically in, tried to fall on him at first. Oh uh, no, he kind of he kind of just stomped on him in the lead up though. This is kind of stupid from Sabonis's own perspective as well he just held on to draymond's leg. yeah but by no means is that warrant to stomp on the dude and try and break a rib but yeah sabonis is laying on the ground holding onto his ankle as if he's trying to gator roll him and shatter it i, I have no idea what he was doing he was assessed to flagrant for it because it's not a basketball move the thing i want to say about draymond and i know i texted you as well is like i think he's a lunatic i don't know if you saw the video of him afterwards just yelling at the fans mm-hmm so I mean, he, he he at this point he's been ejected. They've given him the flagrant two, and he's just standing. He's standing on a chair. He might even be standing on like the scorer's table, just yelling and pumping his chest at fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And it's like, what are you? They like when I said like Draymond's a lunatic and he might be the first CTE case in basketball. I was at, I wasn't even referring to the stomp. I was referring to the yelling. 
for no reason. It's like you're down. You might have just cost your team the win because you are a great defensive player for them. What are you doing? Yeah, but I'll, I'll, to play devil's advocate, that's exactly what makes the NBA entertaining. Is that you can have a guy on the scorer's table after he gets ejected <laughs> just yelling at the crowd. Like, you're not going to see – I'm watching Ryan, Ryan O'Reilly right now. You're not going to see him get ejected and strip down and jump into the stands. Hey, what about Antonio Brown? You saw him do it. <laughs> that is true. Again, wrong sport. <laughs> That's fair. But, yeah, that's kind of the recap of the NBA playoffs so far. Um, I guess we'll stick with it. Maybe by this time next week, some of the teams will have already clinched their uh, spot in the second round or I guess the Eastern the East Western Conference semis at this point, whatever we call them. And I guess we'll see where you go from there. I'll turn it over to you for the NHL playoffs, a little bit of a preview or a review of the games that have happened. Yeah, more preview. I know last night was the first set of games, so I can kind of touch on them briefly. Um, and then ongoing right now, uh, Tampa leads Toronto 2 nothing in the first, and the Rangers lead the Devils 2 nothing in the second. Um, to me, those are the two most fun series. Um, the Rangers have a lot of firepower, and the Devils um, are kind of this new team, 49-point swing. Um, it's the tied for the most um, point swing from one season to the next. They were a lottery team last year, um, and then they were the number – three or four seed in the East this year. Two young, just a great rivalry. And then Tampa-Toronto, which has been kind of uh, the known matchup since, I don't know, like December. They We've known that that's going to be a repeat in the the way they do the, turn, the playoffs. Um, as far as the rest of the East, uh, the wild cards, uh, the Islanders and the Panthers ended up sliding in. They'll play... Uh, the Islanders lost 2-1 to one to Carolina. That will probably be a series that you won't hear much about. Two pretty boring teams that play very boring styles of play but are hard to play against, especially Carolina. Um, so you won't hear much about that series purely because they'll play a lot of 2-1 games like last night. Um, and then the other wild card, Florida, unfortunately, has to play Boston the greatest team ever, or so they'll be proclaimed as they have the most wins and points of any other team. Granted, they didn't put, have ties back in 1976 when the Canadians um, were a thing. I guess they still are a thing. Um, yeah, Boston looked like kind of crap last night and still found a way to win, so I don't really see how um, Florida on their third goalie really has any chance in that series. Um, no discipline there, in my opinion. Uh, as far as the West, Colorado is going to play Seattle tonight. I think Seattle, again, brand new team from last year. Uh, huge swing was a lottery team last year. Uh, they'll get killed very handedly, probably, by Colorado. Colorado's still missing their captain, Gabriel Landeskog. But it looks like Cal McCarr is going to play, who's probably the greatest player besides Connor McDavid right now. Maybe even his teammate, Nathan McKinnon. Um, who had a hell of a year. Uh, as far as the other seeds, the Vegas Golden Knights are playing uh, the Winnipeg Jets. That one could go either way. Winnipeg's pretty talented for being a wild card team, but they stunk the last month of the season. So we'll see how that goes. That game, that game one is tonight. Uh, and then probably the best series in the West to look for in the first round, which was an overtime, actually both, West series from last night went into overtime uh, is the LA Kings and the Edmonton Oilers. A lot of people think that this is going to be the Oilers year. Connor McDavid ended up with 153 points. It's the most in 27 years um, since a little guy named Yarmar Yager played in the league. Uh, so what he did this year was absolutely off the charts. He ends up going no goals, no assists, minus two in game one last night. They absolutely dominate L.A., who is also a very good team uh, with a lot of young superstars as well as Deneau, Philip Deneau and Anze Kopitar, two of the best defensive forwards, which kind of make them a good matchup. If they're gonna, Someone's going to shut down McDavid. As I look, Toronto just scored again, or Tampa Bay just scored again. <laughs> Toronto will never get out of this first round, I'm convinced. Good. good. Uh, but anyways, overtime. Uh, Kopitar scores with 16 seconds left to send it to overtime in a game that 
It really looked like it was Edmonton's and they lose game one at home. I think that series could go seven or will go seven. Um, I'm missing one more series. Oh, and then the other overtime game, double overtime. Another toss up is and a kind of another boring one for the non-hockey fan is the Minnesota Wild and the Dallas Stars. Um, Kaprizov is back. He kind of missed a lot at the end and they got hot at the end without him. So interesting situation there. It's one of those things where is it adding a guy to the lineup, even though he's your best player, will that mess up with the feng shui? Didn't happen last night. They win. Um, I think Dallas is a slightly better team as far as Jason Robertson, um, Miro Heiskanen, and then some veteran players like Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan that have been there, uh, as well as the fact that they have Jake Ottinger, who um, was the best goalie in the playoffs last year. So we'll see what happens there. That's kind of my playoff preview. As far as questions. Yeah. I was going to say, so see, what is this year two of the Seattle Kraken? Yes. And so they've gone from expansion team to playoffs in effectively one year. Yes. Wow. So they were pretty bad last year, like third or fourth worst in the league. Um, And they were like, they were like, so the, the NHL playoffs are so weird. So it's the two divisions in each conference. Yep. The top, top three make it. And then it's wild card, two wild cards out of the whole conference. So like one, the one seeds in each division will play the two wild cards and then the mm-hmm. two and three seeds play we'll each play other. Play so, it, yeah. So, so it's weird that it's not like a true one through eight or anything like that. Um, they were actually, I want to say second place in their division for a while. Uh, they kind of fell off. They don't necessarily have a ton of firepower. Their best offensive player this year is probably the rookie of the year. Matthew Beneers played at Michigan, uh, number two overall pick last year. He kind of like was a point over a point per game and kind of went down to kind of a more, I don't know, secondary scoring numbers at by the end of the year and kind of the team scoring followed. Um, they're a wild card team that snuck in on on a West, like the Western Conference, to be frank, is just not quite. It's kind of like the uh, opposite in the NBA. It's just not nearly as strong or as deep. Um, and I, I mean, you could say they made the playoffs, which I'll get to in my Red Wings thing, but I don't think they're nearly as good as some of the teams that didn't make the playoffs in the East at, as far as mm-hmm. Buffalo. Um, I'm missing a team that I really like in the East Nashville, Nashville in the West too. Uh, but there's a couple of teams in the East Pittsburgh in the East that like didn't make it that I think are actually probably better teams than Seattle, but yes, yeah, second year expansion. I think there's a lot to look for. You're happy to be there if you're a yep. Seattle. To say Definitely. The, the the crackheads in the crack house, you know? Yes, uh, the crack the crackheads in the crack house. I like that. It's a cool <laughs> name. It's a cool logo. I love um, the I love the logo. Yeah. I I think it's I don't know. I wasn't crazy, but and I kind of hate actually the Golden Knights. Like I hate them in general, but I don't like the name Golden Knights. You should have just been the Knights, in my opinion. And then the gold, the jerseys, like, are just like, I don't know. Gold isn't necessarily a hockey color for me. Now, b- b- before straying too far, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't the Golden Knights have some trademark issues with their logo for a while? Or am I am I am I imagining something? They did. I thought you were going to mention that they they made the Stanley Cup in their first. No, year. I rem- I remember that. Right. I I was going to say, w- was it with Army? Was it with Army's logo? I think so. Yeah, that sounds right. They're the Silver Knights. I, I think they're the Black Knights. Black Knights. Okay. But yeah, I think there was something there. And that's maybe why they went to Golden Knights. Maybe they were just Knights at one point. I don't know. I used to have this thought. Maybe you would have a decent opinion. I like I had this kid I played against that got drafted by Vegas. And I at the time I thought like would you kind of be bummed out to get like drafted by an expansion team that nobody's heard of? Like, no, you could have been drafted by like the Yankees or the, the golden state warriors or the Lakers. And you get drafted by the Vegas golden Knights. I don't think so. I'm happy to be in the league. I don't even, I don't even say happy to be in the league. You're, you're happy to see your hard work pay off in your, yeah, I guess for, if you simplified it, you're happy to be in the league, but 
I, I don't think it really matters where you get drafted. I mean, I guess, yes, if you're if you're a certain high-profile guy and you're good enough to the point where you can tell certain people, no, I don't want you, then, yeah, sure, I guess maybe you could say, oh, I'm bummed out that these people are trying to draft me. But if you're just – if you're a guy who's sitting there and you busted your ass for your entire life and this is the culmination of your work, I don't think you care where you go. Fair enough. Uh, and with that said, uh, my picks – to move on in the next round, I'm going to take out of the East. Well, I'm just going to do my, since this is technically my preview, I'm going to just give you my Stanley Cup final is the New York Rangers out of the East. I think Boston makes a good run. I know they're kind of cup or bust since they're the best team ever. And I don't yep. think they choke like the 1819 Lightning. They get all the way to the conference final. But I think, I think the being there last year in the conference final is going to do wonders for a still younger team now that's added Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko that are both ca- uh, cup champions. I think they get to the finals. And after last night, I, I'm not so confident in this pick, but I have the Edmonton Oilers finally doing it for Connor McDavid yep. out of the out of the West. Um, I think the it's the West year, especially with Landeskog and an unhealthy Cal McCarr for the Avalanche. Uh, and I really think the only other threat to them in the West is maybe is honestly getting out of this first round and playing LA. I think those might be other than Colorado, those might be the two biggest threats in the West mm-hmm. and they're playing each other in the first round. Okay. Um, I kind of forgot to, I'll quickly give my picks for the NBA. Give me Boston out of the East. Um, and then give me, I have absolutely no idea what to choose out of the West because I think in my mind I can make a case for probably six teams in the West. I'm going to take out of the West. I have no, I I have no idea. I'm going to take the Lakers. I I mean, I'd support it. Um, that I think would be a lot of fun. Um, a, a Celtics Lakers LeBron back in the final. I'm just rooting for storylines. I think that would yeah. be great. No, I, again, I, I agree with that. I don't know. Um, like I said, I, I think anyone not named Thunder or Thunder, what are we talking about? anyone not named Timberwolves or Kings could make it out of the West. So you don't think up 2-0 against Golden State? I'm not saying they can't beat Golden State. I'm, I'm saying they can't get out of the West. Okay. I just I just don't see the uh, – I, I just don't see the star power. But who knows? Maybe they'll prove. Maybe they'll prove me wrong again. I know I've kind of been on the anti-Sacramento train for for months now, but maybe they'll prove me wrong. Um, so give again, give me anyone out of the West. Give me Celtics in the East. All right. Do you want to? So with that said, we that's kind of our preview. Obviously, I think both leagues' playoffs are going to be the primary topics for the next couple weeks. Um, um, NFL draft. NFL draft. So NFL draft next week will be. Uh, I think. I think will probably be our heavy topic. Oh, we can, yeah, run, we okay. can run mock drafts, prospects we like. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that'll be the big one for next weekend or next week. Yep. Um, as far as the rest of this episode, let's kind of get into the, the season that was for the Detroit teams, um, the Detroit Pistons. Historically oh. bad. Oh boy. So. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna kind of read you verbatim my note. Um, just a first quick ex- excerpt excerpt of my notes. The season started out not good, and that was really <laughs> the highlight of the year. <laughs> and that and that was the highlight of the year. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um. The final record was 17 and 65. Oof. That is one of the worst seasons in franchise and and NBA history based on win percentage. I think uh, one of my friends looked at this. We posted a top 25 all-time worst season based on win percentage. Mm. Um, not great, Bob. Not great. Um, I will – the only thing I'll say – I'll get into this more. It has to be noted that a lot of the players that you expected to contribute missed a, a, a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Cade Cunningham played 12 games. He was supposed to be your best player. Uh, Bojan Bogdanovic, who is probably supposed to be your second best player, missed the last two and a half months of the season. He only played 50 games. Alec Burks was supposed to be kind of a decent just shooter off the bench for you. He missed two and a half months. Uh, Isaiah Stewart missed two and a half months. So, again, I'll, get, I'll, I'll talk more about this. This is not an excuse because they were atrocious. They were unwatchable. The effort wasn't there. Maybe they were actively tanking. Maybe they weren't. Who knows? Maybe they're a little bit slicker than the Mavericks, and they're not going to get fined a million dollars for it. But it was 
atrocious. They they didn't look like an NBA team on half the nights. The effort wasn't there. It's again, missing your best players is not an excuse to not try when you get to play a children's game for a living. That that that's all I can really say. Um about that. I, I kind of wrote down each individual player, kind of how they did what I saw. Because, again, I, I did actually watch a decent amount of the, the Pistons games, especially as the season kind of progressed and the, the NFL kind of college craze of football died down. So I guess, I, I mean, I'll just kind of talk a little bit about each guy. I mean, Bojan was kind of exactly what we expected out of him. Shot 40-plus percent from deep. He was a good veteran for the for the young roster. He actually, interestingly enough, signed a two-year extension back in October, so he is contractually tied through the Pistons through the 2024-2025 season, so you'd have two more years of him. Um, Personally speaking, I actually don't think he fits the timeline, and I don't know why that contract extension was made, and I don't know why um, he's honestly on this team. Maybe they wanted to just kind of extend him, and then you can move him later. Maybe the thought was some team's not going to want to give up a first-round pick for a rental, even though People give away first-round picks for less in the NBA because no one values them. So, again, Bojan, great player for what he was expected to do. I just don't think that his timeline really fits. I mean, he's 32, I think, at this point, and you've got a team that's young and still picking top three. So that's someone where if you are really trying to rebuild, you probably need to move off him. Um, Alec Burks, kind of similar to Bojan. Did, did what he was supposed to do. Good shooter from deep. Good guy off the bench as a vet for the young for the young players. But I don't know. We have we have a ten million dollar option on him for next season. Whether it gets taken or not, I'm not really sure. I guess we'll see what happens there. Um, Isaiah Livers. Only reason I kind of met, even mentioned him because he was such a non-contributing zero this year was that at the end of last season he had kind of a, a promising stretch where he showed some good shooting percentages. He showed some decent time kind of coming in towards the garbage time end of the year. And he really didn't build off that. Um, I think his shooting percentages dipped. He had, You saw no jump in numbers. So he's one of those guys where I don't expect much from him going forward. I don't know how long he'll be on this team. Um, RJ Hampton is kind of the epitome of the Troy Weaver lottery pick restoration project since he seems to love to do that. Well, we'll talk about a couple of the other guys later down the line. Um, I don't really think it worked out, and I don't really see a future for him on the team. I think, again, I think Troy Weaver spent a lot of time going after former high picks that have not worked out with their original team, and maybe he's trying to salvage something. Maybe he's trying to scalp a first-round pick by saying, hey, look at what this guy did for us. He said he's a good player, and some other team will give you a first-round pick, though it hasn't really worked out yet. Um I mean, and then I guess I'll kind of get to the more interesting players now. Um, Jalen Duran was a good to great rookie. Um, he played like a walking double-double when he was given the minutes. And I emphasize given the minutes, and I'll get back to this later. Um, he was a good lob threat, good rim protector, which is kind of something that every team needs one of. Even though it's a shooter's league, you still need a Kavon Looney. You need a Robert Williams. You need an Embiid. You need you just need that you need that tall guy in the paint to catch some lobs and to kind of defend your rim so that you're not giving away cheap layups. Um, Jaden Ivey, I think he was kind of the the star of the year. I think he was a great rookie year. Um, I think he's got a pretty decent shot to be on the All NBA rookie team. Um, he's kind of consistently er, wow, that was a stroke. He's consistently improved his shot. Over the last three years, he went 25%. Or So as a freshman at Purdue, he shot 25% from deep. As a sophomore at Purdue, he shot 35% from deep. And then this year as a rookie, he shot 34% from deep. And while obviously that number goes down, the distance to shoot three-pointers in the NBA goes up. So you're taking longer shots. And to keep that percentage the same is, I think, very good for him. If you can see another jump up to, say, 37 38% this offseason, obviously, ideally, you want 40 That's kind of the measurement of a great shooter. But given his type of play style and the guy he is, if you can get him to 37 38 and then kind of use that while also combining it with the physical tools he has, I think he has all of the ability to be a great, great NBA player. And for comparison, John ja Morant, after four years in the league, has never shot better than 34% from deep. So... Statistically speaking, he is just as good, if not better, of a shooter than John Morant. So there's certainly uh, stuff to build on. He did play sloppy at times, and I think that's just the nature of his 
high octane, high pace style. That's something that hopefully he'll be able to kind of control a little bit because can't average three turnovers a game as a point guard in the NBA. Um, you see him as a point guard going forward, though. I mean, him and Cade, I guess. I mean, him and Cade can kind of share duties, but yeah, I mean, he's he's a point guard. I mean, I mentioned Cade. I mean, he only played 12 games. It was obviously it's very tough to lose him, and you effectively lose a year of development in terms of game time for him, which is mm-hmm. kind of the worst. And it also felt like maybe the team packed it up once he went down, and maybe they did actively tank. Maybe they didn't, but the season really went to, it really went to shit after he was done. Um, and I still have hopes that he can kind of turn. I don't even say turn it around because again, he showed he had a good he had a great rookie year. I think I still think that he can turn into that fringe top fifteen player in basketball guy. Maybe uh maybe Jason Tatum's a little high of a ceiling, but um again, just again, something in that ten to twenty range. Again, he's probably never gonna be Luca. If he is, please prove me wrong. But he's probably yeah. not gonna be a Luca, he's not gonna be a staff, he's not gonna be a Giannis Jokic and B type guy. But if you can I get just, to that second. My issue is I think he can be a great scorer. And I guess I'm going to kind of contradict myself because I do agree that he's not going to be a, a Steph or a Luca who actually kind of proved the point I'm about to make wrong. And that I just don't, he's a great scorer and a great shooter and a great offensive player. I, he's just not to me a good enough, like, like maybe not a good enough is the wrong way to say it. He's not a freakish enough athlete to ever be that top 15 player in the league. In the I could, Again, I think that actually might be a perfect example. Is I mean, you look at Steph. He's not a top right. 15 athlete, but that's the most skilled basketball player we've ever seen. So it's right. he gets he gets a different pass. He gets different rules to play around. I think you're actually I think that might be a great example. He's not seven feet tall. He doesn't get to take two steps from the three point line and get a running dunk. He doesn't get to just tower over everyone so that that's an interesting concern maybe something develops he's still 21 it's it's an incredibly young team um yeah i mean i i think there's still a bright future i mean you've got the pick this year so i think so the two of the last things i wanted to do and this is kind of i think the big thing from the season was the sadiq bay james wiseman trade at the deadline um I guess moving Sadiq Bay was you're you're probably most likely not going to bring him back. He probably was not worth your was not was not worth that fifteen million dollars a year that he's probably going to want. And so I think they kind of pulled the lions with Jeff Okuda and said we would rather move you now and get get something right. guaranteed that either is going to stick with us or that we can move for something that'll stick with us later and just kind of kick the can down the road as opposed to let you walk for free. So I understood that I understood the trade. Um, the issue is James Wiseman is an incredibly inefficient, incredibly liable player. I mean, he puts up stats. He had a couple of games here where he was dropping 20-point double-doubles. But then you look at his plus-minuses, you look at his defensive efficiency, and there's a reason why the Golden State Warriors, who might be the shortest team in basketball, didn't bring back the one tall guy they had. Or not, not, not didn't bring back, were actively looking to get rid of the one tall guy they had. He's just, he plays losing basketball. And that's a fact. That's not, that's not, an, that, that's a fact. And so that's why I, I it, it's tough because I don't know what you can really get for him. I, again, let me, I assume and I hope to God he's not here to be, to be a long-term starter to start over Jalen Duran because Duran's already better than him. He's three years younger. So he again, he played a lot to end the season. I mean, he was starting over Duran. He was playing a lot of minutes, and I think that might have been Troy Weaver just trying to showcase to the NBA, saying, "Hey, look what we got." I kind of mentioned it with RJ Hampton. It's look at this former lottery pick. Look at the talent. Uh, he can do all this stuff. Please give us a first round pick for him, because I just I I think there's no future, and I don't I don't see why there would be a future for him with the Detroit Pistons. Yeah, but I agree, and but by that same measure, he's twenty one. Yeah. So, your theory with Cade Cunningham being twenty, like James Wiseman? Oh, sorry, he turned twenty two last week. So, I mean, yeah, but is it is it that bad that you would write off the book, write him off the books this young? Oh, I would. I mean, again, with Cade, there's building blocks. Like I said. 
with Wiseman, Wiseman, first of all, was drafted, I think, a year before Cade. So he's had an extra year in the league, even if the, the ages kind of match up a little bit closer than the years do. And I just think it, I think it's James Wiseman just cannot play efficient defensive basketball. I mean, I, I it's, it's tough. Um, ideally, maybe you could say, oh, well, why not keep him and Jalen Dernan? I, I think the response to that is it's just not that type of basketball anymore. You can't really have two of those, especially two of those guys playing at the same time. I mean, if one were to be the backup to the other and let's say James Wiseman said, yeah, I'll take five to $10 million a year for two to three years to be here as a backup for Jalen Dernan. Sure, maybe you'll look into keeping him, but I just, I don't see that happening. I think he's another one of those guys where, we're probably shopping him at the deadline next year, if not earlier. Um, and the, the one thing I didn't like about the trade was, again, Jalen Duran kind of took a back seat. And Jalen Duran's 19. He's the youngest player in the league. I think it would have been incredibly beneficial for him to just stay out there and play as much as possible, get an idea for what he can be. Because I think, I think Jalen Duran can have an incredible kind of, uh, if he can have an incredible year or, year he can have an incredible career as a lob threat rim protector guy so maybe i'm maybe i'm overly high on him um obviously he doesn't fit modern basketball he's never going to be that guy who shoots 35 percent from deep as a big man but he is that guy who again prime example robert williams he can easily be robert williams and that would be awesome first i mean just to put into perspective how young jalen duran is he's going to be 22 by the time his rookie deal's over Yes. We're talking about a four-year rookie deal. He's going to be 22. So that that's crazy. Um, but overall, again, I said it. The, the season was lost as soon as Cade went down. But again, that doesn't give you a right to not try. It doesn't give you a right to not be competitive. It doesn't give you a right to do what the Pistons did. It was an atrocious season. I mean, and I mean, you know me. I'm, I'm one of the biggest Pistons defenders there is. That It was... It was a joke of a season. Um, I, I think a lot of people say the future kind of depends on the Pistons draft and getting Wembenyama. I don't necessarily think that's the case. There are some other good players in the draft. And I do think between Ivy, Durr, and Cade and whatever you land this year, you can build a core. There is cap space to sign a player this offseason. So there are ways to certainly improve the team without landing Victor Wembenyama. Um, I mean, namely Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson out of the draft, but each of those guys I kind of have concerns with in their own right. Um, Scoot Henderson is a guard. I don't really know if that fits with Ivy and Kate. I mean, I don't. Are you going to be playing three guard lineups if none of those guys are kind of Golden State Warriors esque shooters, where they they run around with Clay, Pool, and Steph, but those guys each at any given point can space you out. Maybe we'll right. see happens. And then the bigger one, I guess, is Brandon Miller because. He would be perfect for the Detroit Pistons. He's a knockdown shooter as a wing. I think he's 6'9", twitchy, lengthy, kind of that prototypical size and build the NBA craves these days. But his off-the-field issues are a type of off-the-field issue that I just don't mess with. I mean, I am one of the biggest believers of I don't really care what you can do. Can you play the sport? And it turns out he can play the sport bar that atrocious NCAA performance he had. But his off-the-field issues got somebody killed. I think that's a little bit different. It's not a, hey, he's not a good dude. Hey, it's, it's hey, he, he supports capital murder. He's an accomplice in capital murder. That's a, that's a little different. So I don't know what's going to happen to him, but yeah, it's tough. Yeah, so projection on the Pistons going into next year. Um, are they anywhere near a play-in team? I think that depends on the type of rebuild they try and continue to pursue. And well, I guess what I'm saying by that is, let's say they don't land Victor Wembanyama. Let's say they fall to two or three. I, I hope to God we don't fall to four or five again like we did last year, because that's going to be stupid. But um, assuming they land two and three, if they draft, uh, if they draft another rookie, another 18, 19-year-old kid, I'm, I would probably say no, barring them signing a max-level player. But there is also the – I've seen some rumors and reports that the Pistons, if they don't land Wembenyama, would be interested in just trading the pick. And I think that would maybe be indicative of 
Troy Weaver starting to feel the pressure and starting to feel the seat getting a little warm and him thinking to myself, well, I need to make a move to win now. And that's not even the worst idea. I mean, if let's say you moved it around for an established B-level player and then some other stuff. If, I mean, I think the prime example I've seen is if you talk to the Brooklyn Nets and you say, give me Mike Hill Bridges, give me something else and give me something else. Here's number two. If you picked up Michael Bridges to be one of your wings, Cade, Ivy, Bogdanovich, and then Jalen Duran, that's a pretty respectable starting five, in my opinion. That's a borderline playing team. I, I think at that point, yes. Um, the, obviously, that there you've got three dudes who are either rookies or a sophomore year player who you are expecting continue to take leaps. And if they do what if they do what they can do, yes, I think that's a borderline playing team. I mean, I think they could even maybe push higher up. I mean. We know the Eastern Conference is not as good as the Western Conference, so you never really know what's going to happen. You look at the Knicks, you look at the Cavs. Those are teams that, yes, they've got some good players, but do they have the superstar? No. And they both got kind of got out of that range of 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. So it's, I can't answer that question until I see what they do in the draft and in NBA free agency because that will be a very big tell of, does Troy Weaver think the team is ready to go and does he spend kind of like the Red Wings this this past off season where Steve Eiserman said, Hey, I've I'm I'm pretty happy with the, the development of some of my players. I'm now going to sign some free agents to complement that and we're ready to go. We're ready to make a push. Now it didn't work out for the Red Wings, but at least they showed the intent, whereas the Pistons, who had the money for a max slot, chose not to do it, chose to continue to push that space down the line and I don't know what they're waiting for or when they're waiting for it but I think at some point you got to make a move you'd be entering year four of Troy Weaver and at some point you got to show something yeah I think it's a little easier decision when you go six set wins 17 games though and that you do uh, you need the the young bodies and you need the high draft picks right now I know it's frustrating that it's not necessarily or that it's year four and nothing's really changed. But I I'm I think the decision is much easier for the Pistons than the Red Wings. Like the Red Wings have this weird season where they were like competitive till about two-thirds of the way through, and then they kind of fell off. They didn't necessarily injuries weren't necessarily nearly as talented as as the teams in the playoffs in the East, and that kind of showed throughout the 82-game season. Mm -hmm. But they showed some promise but they still are super far away in a tough division where it's like, what do you do? You either have to commit to signing a big time player now and getting rid of some of your young, younger pieces in order to sign a couple big pieces right now, or you have to continue to kind of do this, sign some role, some solid role of players and just hope that you develop. And then again, Eisenman would be, would now be in year four five six before this team is actually has any legit chance yep. so it's a matter of like i think you could argue it's a bit of a rush for the red wings to to go ahead and sign this big ticket player this offseason but i think it needs to be done because to be honest i'm on the if nothing is done this offseason i begin to question begin to question the Eisenberg regime yep. and i think for the pistons when you win 17 games it's a little easier where you're at, what needs to be done. Yeah, you need to again, and, again, and the 17 games is tough because, like I said, you you were missing yeah. your two best players for one guy for basically all of the season, the other guy for a solid almost 40% of the season. So it's tough. Um, like I said, I, I think there is a lot of good in Ivy and Dern. I think those were good picks. Um, I just think that with Troy Weaver, he I think has a shorter leash than like Steve Eiserman would, right? Because he was he, he he has not built the Tampa Bay Lightning and NBA for him somewhere else, and B because he did not play for the Detroit Pistons for twenty years the way Eiserman right. did. So I think with Weaver, it's it you're right. Maybe it's a they have a little bit more leeway because they have less to kind of showcase. But at the same time, like I said. He was hired in 2020. You'd be entering year four with him. Obviously, he was given nothing to work with. I mean, his I think his the, the roster he took over had Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. Mm -hmm. I mean, what can you do rebuilding that? You have to suck for a while to get, to get off that. But 
at some point you have to show a little bit more than just, hey, I had a good draft. And that's that's one thing that I know a lot of people have been frustrated with Troy Weaver about is his kind of non-commitment to free agency, his opting out of trade deadlines, more or less. So I, I just think Weaver has a little bit more to show for, and he has got a little bit more to prove. Now, what in what way that is and how much – support he has from Tom Gores maybe we'll see you're right maybe if they draft maybe let's say they fall to two or three and maybe they don't trade the pick and maybe they don't spend in free agency that would probably show me that Troy Weaver is not on the hot seat because if your career depends on it you're not gonna bet it on a 17 or 17 you're not gonna bet it on a 19 year old kid yeah yeah I agree and I do agree that the as far as the loyalty or the deservedly so loyalty for as far as how long the seat is hot is super different for each of the GMs. Um, but I do think going to the Red Wings that there are some kind of applicable things you said to Iserman. Uh, this team was, I believe, only five points out of a playoff spot when he completely sold at the trade deadline this year. Yep. Uh, they, lo- they lost Bertuzzi. They lost – why am I – blanking the defenseman that they traded. Hronik, who's having a great season, got a lot for him, to be honest, though. Uh, they traded Oscar Sundquist to, to Minnesota. I mean, and then obviously I said it, but, but the big move was Bertuzzi to Boston. And you got a good return for it. And now you have all these picks where, listen, Marco Casper, I know he got hurt in the only game he played this year, but he was up. Berggren, He's up now. He's a second round pick. Simon Edmondson, he looks like he's up now for good. Sider going into year three. Raymond going into year three. That the young pieces are there. You sign Larkin to the big ticket to now where, yeah, you need picks. Like, I'm not going to say picks aren't important, but to the amount that they have and have built in their capital now, now you have to, in my opinion, you have to use that to go sign a big ticket player. Because guess what? You came in second to last in the Atlantic this year, and I know the Atlantic is good. Um, Four teams made the playoffs, and then Buffalo was only a point out. Um, And then I think we were about nine nine to ten points behind Buffalo. And then, well, I think, like, Montreal was not even on the same planet as the rest of the division. Um, Ottawa was also ahead of us, too. Uh, But you play in a great division now. Ottawa's going to be better. Tampa's not really going anywhere. Toronto is very good. Carolina is not going anywhere. Like there are a lot of teams that are not going anywhere in the next two years to where if you really want to actually compete for a playoff spot, it can't just be getting uh, Dominique Kubelik, who had 45 points, who had a pretty good season for what you paid him. It can't just be uh, David Perron, who had a great season, actually, 56 points <laughs> second on the team. Uh, but it's got to be something more than that. And this offseason isn't necessarily have uh, the greatest, per se, uh, pool of free agents, which worries me a little bit. But if you have picks, you're not going after free agents. You're going after someone else's player. Right. You you, you don't trade picks to a free agent. So I guess, I guess the free agents doesn't really matter if you're trying to trade for someone. Right. So the big one I've heard is uh, William Nylander, who's probably like, probably like the third best player on Toronto. He's one of their big ticket play, one super highly paid players, kind of the third fiddle behind Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner. Uh, So Austin Matthews is up at the end of next year, his contract and Lord knows what he's going to get in free agency. And he'll be a UFA for the first time in his career. Um, So they're going to need to get something off the books if they really want to re-sign him, they're in such cap trouble. So the name thrown around as a possible trade option and trade and sign kind of deal uh, is William Nylander. I think that like is, is, is a big enough name to go in the right direction. Unfortunately, one player is not going to make you a playoff team. I think that still requires Raymond to take another step. It still requires Edmonton to come in and be the player you think he's going to be. It still requires Cider to take a step up after he kind of didn't really take a step. He didn't get worse, but he d- didn't take a step up necessarily this this past year. Um, and then, like I said, you got good years out of Kubelik and Perron. Um, Perron's older and doesn't necessarily fit your window window. He's He was kind of there to be a veteran leader to show these guys the way. Um, but aside from those two, really, I mean, Oli Mata was a was an okay fifth, sixth defenseman. 
Andrew Kopp had ended up with 42 points, but only nine goals. Bit of a disappointing season for paying him five and a half million. Um, so, and then, I mean, you had, that's on top of also having Robbie Fabry only played 26 games. Bertuzzi hardly played before you traded him. Uh, obviously, all the stuff with um, the mental wow. health stuff and addiction stuff with what's his name. Was it Vrana? Vrana, who they put on waivers. I wanted to say Vrana, but Vrana. So uh, obviously guys that you thought were going to play in your top six didn't necessarily do that, um, and it's kind of similar to the Pistons. I don't think it's necessarily the same degree to the Pistons to where I'm going to judge them not making the playoffs because of that. I don't really think that's the case, um, but it does play a role. Uh, you brought in Ben Sherratt. I think he had a disappointing season, 19 points. He's a minus 31. Um I mean, granted, on a below 500 team, you're probably going to be a minus, but minus 31, that was good for worst on the team. Uh, you're paying him quite a bit of money for what he gave you. So I would say overall, not the overall free agency that he had was probably a high C, was average, completely average, when you needed it to be above average if you wanted any any shot. So I think this is the year where you have enough young pieces. There's still stuff in the pipeline. Marco Casper looks like he's going to be a decent prospect. Drafted him eighth overall last year. I mean, I think this is where you go out and you start spending the real money. Uh, You spend the Johnny Goodrow. You spend the big-name money this offseason. Obviously, part of that is signing Dylan Larkin to his eight-year deal. Um, But that's the direction of the Red Wings. I'd be very disappointed. And obviously, Eiserman is never going to be on the hot seat, probably in Detroit. He's so like he Jim could, Harbaugh. Yeah, like he Jim. could. He could take his time here. You know, I think they have uh, two first round picks and two second round picks this year, and they have three second round picks next year. Where it's like, and they could go ahead and just take a ton of draft capital, have a ton of prospects, and really, really set themselves up for the future. But like this thing has lasted long enough. It's start to time to get better. And they did take a step up this year and were more competitive, are slowly getting more competitive, but you would like them to see be an actual contender next year. If they're not an actual contender next year, I'm talking like in the playoff race, the last week of the season, that it will be a failure. And it, I will start to have serious questions about Eisenman and Detroit. Yeah. Um, I like that. Uh, I guess to just so it's kind of a fresh in everyone's mind uh, for the Pistons, I think. I can definitely better answer the question um, when the draft happens and when what's known if whether they believe they can win now in terms of free agency if they're spending or not. But but at the bare minimum, I think the Detroit Pistons you probably have to win thirty games. I don't really care who's there, who's not there, what you've done. You cannot spend another year picking uh, with the statement, "Oh, I have a ten plus percent shot at the number one pick." You can't do that. It's time to, like you said, it's time to show your logo. It's time to show your name in that playoff hunt, in that play-in hunt, and say, hey, we, we do still have a team here in Detroit. Can't can't continue to do what you're doing. So that requires steps up from Cade, requires steps up from Ivy, steps up from Jalen Duran. If that means that Bogdanovich is staying for another year, we need another consistent year out of him. Give me 19 a game, 40, 40% shooting from deep. So... Yeah, there's there's stuff to work with. There's money to spend. There there is the, there is obviously the chance at Wembenyama. We'll see what happens, but at the bare minimum, give me thirty games. Yeah, the good news with the Pistons is there's it's hard to get worse from what they just did. Oh, you so. can't. <laughs> you so can't. it's only God. <laughs> I honestly, I probably should have said that. I appreciate the uh, the the good save. Yeah, you can only go up for Detroit Pistons, but yeah. For, so for me, I don't have much to I, I don't have much more to say. Um, to you? No, uh, that's kind of the des- depressing year in Detroit sports that it was. Yeah. Uh, the Tigers, granted, the Tigers have won four straight, so maybe they'll turn this around. They're still six and nine despite winning four straight, three straight walk offs. Thanks for coming to all. 300 people that were at Comerica today. Uh, I can't wait till they, they try and get an actual number. Look it up after this podcast. I will. Look up the pictures of what's today, the 19th? April 18th, Tigers game. 
um, and you'll be in for a treat of mm -hmm. just seeing a bunch of ghosts and seeds. Definitely. So for everyone who's made it this far, thank you very much. Thank you for the support. Um, next week, I think will be a very exciting one, kind of centered around the NBA draft, NBA draft, the NFL draft. I think we'll probably run through a mock draft. We'll kind of list our favorite prospects, some of the guys that are high up, and maybe some of the guys that are lower that we think maybe have a good shot. And we'll go from there. I mean, we've got we've got NFL draft in nine days at this point. The Lions are in a great position, so it's exciting. We, you just said depressing sports teams. The Lions are not one of those. No, it's a rarity in Detroit, so it uh, should be fun. Tune in next week if you like sports, specifically the Lions. Peace out, everyone.